What's up, everybody? Welcome to a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. We got a lot to do in these two hours as we get ready for the Cleveland Browns and Deshaun Watson and Devion Clowney to come back to town to take on the Texans. 12 noon coming up against Cleveland right here at NRG Stadium. First game in December. It's been a while since you've gotten a W at home, so hopefully that's what this one is. All right, we got a lot to do. We got Nathan Zagura, who's a sideline reporter. Basically, he's the me of Cleveland. He's going to join DP Studio going behind enemy sidelines. We're also going to have Jordan Aikens here for a Drew's Dozen, a little pregame interview. We are also going to have a man, David Fletcher, GM at LSSC. He's got a huge role this weekend because the Tax Act Texas Bowl is coming up in the announcement the game is happening on Sunday, so we are looking forward to that, plus a little in the lab with my man Drew Doherty. So, tons to do, and we kick it off each and every week with head coach your football team. That's Lovey Smith. He sat down with Mark Vandermeer to talk about the Browns and this game on Sunday. Coach, a lot of electricity in the air for Sunday's game, extra buzz in the building. Does that affect the players, you think, as they take the field? I definitely think it affects it. That extra buzz, you know, mm. yes, excitement. And that's what we need a little bit right now. Um, we need a boost, mm -hmm. you know. We have to play better. And sometimes, you know, just uh, feeling energy from a crowd can make you play a little bit better. So, yes, that's definitely what we feel around here, and we can't wait to play. Despite everything that's been said this week about their quarterback, stopping the ground game seems to be job one in this one. Am I right about that? Absolutely. We can't we can't go into that hole of just, hey, we got to stop. You know, a great quarterback coming here, they're going to all of a sudden change who they are. Right, right. now they're the fifth-ranked uh, offense in NFL. But it's a commitment to the run. Uh, we, we have to be able to stop the run. They have two excellent running backs. How hard is it to impersonate in practice on the look team what Watson can bring in the improv game, scrambling around and such? I think it's hard on any quarterback, but, you know, we have, you know, Jeff Driscoll is a 4-5 or five quarterback, so we, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I, you just look at our quarterback room, we have different guys with a different skill set, so we feel like, uh, you know, we can get a look that way, but it's hard to really uh, mimic exactly uh, how that quarterback, you know, will play course we have all of his video and everything that he's done but it still kind of comes back to us we play some more athletic quarterbacks that can throw start number two for Kyle Allen what do we expect here does the second half last week another week of practice help as he gets ready for Cleveland I it, it absolutely does help you know now where there that's not a story you mm -hmm. know um, you know he's the guy as we go forward and um, in the week of practice yes every one of those reps that he got this past week has helped him a lot. Just him being able to study for week two uh, against his opponent, uh, we should see better play. For the offensive line, the running game, everybody involved in that, Coach, what's it going to take to move the ball on the ground better? You know, I, I was just kind of talking a little bit to a group on that, is that it comes down to one-on-one -on -one play as a whole. We have to block them. We have mm -hmm. to block them better. Yeah, we'll change different blocking schemes, but most of the time it's a one-on-one -on -one battle with everyone. Our running game hasn't been as effective lately because we haven't been able to move them up, up front, and we need to be able to do that this week. What do we have to look out for in the kicking game in this matchup? Well, just a, a few things. First of all, just eliminating the, the penalties and not beating ourselves. Mm. But from there, you need to make a difference play. 
Mm -hmm. uh, each week, we want one, whether that be getting a takeaway on the punt or the kickoff team or a big return. Just one special make-a-difference play from our special team. Great stuff, Coach. Thanks a lot. Good luck. Anytime. All right, great stuff there from Lovey Smith. We talked to him. Well, we we don't. See? But you do, Mark Van Rie. You get a chance to catch up with Lovey Smith, and I'm, I'm glad you had a chance to do that. First of all, before we get into big game on Sunday, there's a massive match on Saturday. Oh, yes. How are you feeling about the Netherlands, the mm. home country, mm. and your home country? Mm. Like, they're doing bad. This has got Is this, like, pulling at you? No, by the way, mm. the flu is apparently running rampant through the Netherlands team. Darn it. Yeah. Netherlands. Oh. oh. But you Listen. have Virgil van Dyke. That's all you need. Uh, look, I want the USA to win, Johnny. Okay. The Netherlands, I was actually born there, which a lot of people might not know. It's neither here nor there. Right. But I was born in the Netherlands. My family came over. We're immigrants. I mm -hmm. was a baby. Uh, the Vandermeer clan, my dad has had six siblings. They're all still there. So I have cousins galore. But uh, I'm rooting for USA, you know? And if the Netherlands win, I'll jump back on that bandwagon <laughs> afterwards because why not? Now, uh, interesting story. I think it was a 72 World Cup. Does that make sense? My mother took me, I was a little tiny kid, took me to Madison Square Garden to watch the Netherlands versus Brazil in the semifinals on a closed-circuit, yeah. huge screen. That's how you did it back then. There was no yeah. cable. There was no internet. Right. You had to go to a big building uh, to watch it on a big screen. The place was packed. The Brazilians were so upset because the Netherlands won that one. Wow. And then we're in the final against West Germany at the time. West and, Germany. And Germany beat the Netherlands in the final and that was a really famous World Cup. And I remember seeing both those matches at the Garden on a huge screen. And my mom wasn't even a sports fan, but she said, this is important. you yep. got to go because it's that big. So this is huge tomorrow. I'm hoping the USA gets to advance and, you know, we see some real drama here. Because if you could get to the quarters, the semis, oh, if you man. could make it as far as the semis, my gosh, is that going to be huge. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they had a draw against England, which... I felt like they played pretty well in that match against England, and I know a, a lot of that England team just from having seen them in the Premier League. You talk about the young, scrappy Texans. That United States men's national team is the young, scrappy United States men's mm -hmm. national team. They're young, and they get after it. I mean, Pulisic is 24. Tyler Adams, the captain, is 23. I mean, that's a young team that could be together in the next four years, and who knows where they'll be at that point. But looking forward to seeing what they do against the Netherlands. I mentioned Virgil van Dijk. Uh, he is with Liverpool, so I don't like him anytime. Even though he's a great guy. I don't like him anytime, but uh, he's going to be tough to score on. But hopefully Pulisic is back. Um, he apparently did not get hit in that area, but he got hit in another area. Another area. Yeah, in another area. So hopefully okay. he's going to be uh, Hopefully he's going to be okay and can play. So that makes for one heck of a Saturday. How about that? Tonight, we got USC-Utah going on in the Pac-12. You got a Saturday full of conference championship games. Yes. You got United States taking on Netherlands at, I think, 8 o'clock. I think it's 9 Eastern, 8 o'clock. So... You got a full Saturday, and of course, kickoff at noon here, mm. and that's where we're going with this. Kickoff at noon against Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns. Mark, keys to the game. I usually do it in other segments, but I got, I'm jam-packed. I got Fletch tonight. Okay. Uh, I got into lab tonight, which I normally have on Wednesday. Keys to the game, in your mind, keys to the game for the Texans' defense facing Deshaun in the offense. What's the key? Well, look, it's Nick Chubb, right? Yeah. Because you could win this game with Jacoby Brissett, who is 4-1 all time against the Texans with three different teams. So Jacoby Brissett would be no walk in the park for this Houston Texans team, the 2022 version. 
Now you have Deshaun Watson. Can you imagine if they're having success on the ground with Chubb and they can run bootlegs or whatever you want yeah. with Watson, play faking, whatever, coached by Stefanski, who's Kubiakian. Yeah. So they practice doing it right every single time mm-hmm. and make sure that it always looks the same, pass or run with certain plays. And you know how it all works, yep. Johnny. So that could be really dangerous. If you could slow down the running game, that's huge. And when they do throw... Uh, the guys up front have to sell their soul and get into the backfield and, and harass him. Yep. Somehow harass him, hope he's a little off, because as we all know, in the NFL, a little off could mean big things for the defense, yep. and that's what you need. I'm watching Josh Allen last night oh. dealing with Stephon Diggs, and they are throwing dimes, the Buffalo Bills. They are able to make those tight window connections. I doubt Cleveland's going to be up to that kind of standard with Watson for now, maybe right. they get there eventually. Right. So you got to be able to capitalize on that. The throw that Josh Allen made where he was going all the way to the right sideline, which would have been our sideline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost steps out of bounds and then fires it back oh, to the back end zone. Perfect. And Gabe Davis just moves into the picture and catches it for a touchdown. And it just looked so easy and simple. Yeah. Man, yeah. Josh Allen's come a long way. I thought Ryan Fitzpatrick had a funny story he told in the postgame last night. Lee Smith was a tight end who had played with Fitzy in Buffalo. Right. But had played with Josh Allen. And Lee Smith, when he saw Fitzy, he's like, you know, Ryan, Josh has got a lot of the same qualities that that you do, that you had, mm. except he's talented. <laughs> <laughs> Fitzy told that story on the post game. I thought it was great because Josh Allen walked over wearing a number fourteen Bills uh, Fitzy jersey. So, oh, that's cool. Uh, knowing, the, knowing the Bills, that was a big win to get one in Gillette um, last night against the New England Patriots, and it was it was thorough. I mean, it was a thorough beatdown defense. Jumped all over Mac Jones, and of what about Mac was dif- disappointed about the mm. passing game or lack thereof uh, because the running game wasn't doing well. Yeah, he had some things to say, and if you could read lips, which a lot of people can, you could figure it out exactly what he was saying. He was not happy with the Patriots' offensive brass. Where is this going? I know down I, the stretch. I have a feeling I know where it might end up. Oh no, that Alabama could lose an offensive coordinator, could. and the Patriots could gain one. They could. It could work out that way. What about the rumor of Brady going back to, to New England? But that's already been squashed. Okay, we've got to play New England next year, correct? Do we? Are we 2023? in the East? Maybe, maybe, because AFC East, we were talking about this in the car going to dinner the other night. Maybe. It's the oh, place we finished in the same spot. Guess, who, guess who's in last place in both divisions? Oh, gosh, the Patriots. And we would have to go up there. Oh, no. But you know what? There's an opportunity. No, I'm not going to say, oh, no, Johnny. This is a challenge and an opportunity and maybe you can beat the Patriots in Foxborough for the first time ever. I'd love to see it. Okay, got a hundred bucks going to Vegas. Put it down right now. Who is the Texans quarterback in that game against the Patriots? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. We don't even know we're playing the Patriots next year. Yeah. That, Who's uh, the Patriots quarterback next now, year? Is it Max? In a, it, I don't for a second buy Tom Brady. I no, don't for a I, second I don't buy Tom Brady. And look, that I, does nothing for that organization. Nothing. Was, I'm sorry. You know, we all watched Mac Jones last night. I saw some really good throws, short range, yeah. 10, 15 yard bullet pinpoint passing. The, the long stuff, you know, he wants to throw the ball deep. Some of the deep stuff is way off. Yeah. And I don't know if it's receiver, quarterback, communication, wrong play, wrong page of the playbook, however you want to define it. Some of that long stuff just does not look good. The short range, he's got the accuracy there. Uh, I still think there's plenty to work with with Mac Jones, and we'll see where they take it. Okay, let me let me uh, let me read you something. Okay, Ramondre Stevenson, mm-hmm. Jacoby Myers, mm-hmm. 
uh, Tyquan Thornton, Nelson Aguilar, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne. Where am I going with my thought? Who's uh, he throwing to? Yeah. I mean, these guys. you look across the field and you're like, well, there's Stephon Diggs. He's throwing to Stephon Diggs. Yeah. You watch the Vikings. They played the week before. Throwing to Justin Jefferson. You're seeing a bona fide alpha receiver with those quarterbacks, and those quarterbacks are getting better as a result. Very, look, very often in the Brady era, you had Edelman, you had Welker for a long time. We know right. that. But you and you had guys along the way who would flash. Brady right. Cooks, right? They would flash for absolutely. Them. But consistently, it always felt like it could be better, other than having Gronk around right. for a long time. When as he well. had Edelman, Gronk, and Amendola, and those guys were all healthy, then it was like, ooh boy. Then they would supplement it with Chris Hogan. There would be some supplement to come in there. But there were guys that Brady trusted, and he. Obviously, having Gronk was the ultimate. Uh, was the ultimate having him at tight end because of the always, matchups. He always turned a Chris Hogan into a, a hero. He, you know? yeah, he turned Chris Hogan into the best number three in the league. Yeah, he was able to do that. And they had a graphic up last night, which was telling. Since Brady's left, he's third in the league in touchdown passes. Oh yeah, I saw the Patriots yeah, yeah. are thirtieth in the league in touchdown passes. It's like half. Yeah, as like a, half as a team. In the last three years. So that shows you how far they've dropped. Ugh. Yeah. I, I don't hate it for the Patriots, though. They get what they get what they deserve after all the hell they put everybody exactly. on. And they, right. it's not like they're have it's not like they're one nine and one. My gosh. Okay, let's solve this riddle. All right. Texans offense. It it's an understatement to say it's not gone well, mm -hmm. but there were a few kind of flashlight pops. Yeah. Last week against the Dolphins. This is a Browns defense that gives up a lot. It gives up a lot of yards on the ground. The secondary has kind of been a mess at times this year. They're finally healthy. How does this Texans offense get going, get going early, and put up more than 20 points in the game to give them a chance? I think you got to mix it up and run the ball creatively, right? You can't just sit there first and 10. We're going to go eye formation and run the ball all day long. Now, if it's working, great. But you're going to have to mix it up. And what I saw in the second half last week, man, I love Nico Collins. You know, yep. we walked out to practice with him, and I thought, that guy is such a big target. Yep. The catch radius, it's all there. I'm not saying he's A.J. Green, but he so much reminds me of A.J. Green. Uh, body type and things like that. Yeah. Not a game breaker necessarily. I, maybe that's in his bag, but we haven't right. seen it yet. Uh, but but go to him. Get some easy stuff going to him. Now, Brandon Cooks is not going to play in this game. Right. So that's a bit of a story to me. Remember, he did not play against Philly. What did you do against Philly, Johnny? You scored in the opening drive. That's what did correct. you do against Philly, an undefeated team at the time? You were tied 14-14 at the break. That's correct. Give me some of that. I'm not saying it's because of Brandon, but there's something about when Brandon is out of the lineup, they band together because mm -hmm. they don't rely on – the veteran savvy number one guy. They realize they got to put it together, and I'm kind of hypothesizing here. Right. I'm getting into their psychology, but who knows how they feel? I just see the results. Second half against Tennessee last year, three touchdown passes. Mm -hmm. Charger game, they beat them. The game against Philly, they're in it through three quarters. Second half against Tennessee last year. Yeah, yeah, that that one. Yeah, yeah. the regular season finale, right. season finale. So that is what they do without Cooks. Do some good stuff without Cooks, see how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's going to be a key. Getting back to running the ball, I think one of the major keys is going to be Miles will not move from the edge. Miles Garrett will play on the edge. Miles and Laramie one-on-one, -on -one, they're going to go at it. That's going to be worth the price of admission. 
But where Clowney lines up That's and whether the Browns are willing to say, look, Clowney, we know you like the edge. However, have you seen the Texans' interior? You can win inside. Do you want to do that? And I think I think he will. And I think that's a that's a massive issue. Wherever ninety is is going to be. I mean, if he goes against Titus, those two they faced each other before, so they'll go against each other again. But on the inside, that's that's where I think Clowney was always and is always great is when he goes to the inside and going against the guard center, the guards and center the Texans have been playing. Uh, it's been tough. But Clowney's a different. He's just a different breed. So can they handle his quickness and his twitch and his arm over move, which he loves to use, versus guys like Dexter Lawrence where they just powered through to get yeah. to the quarterback? So to me, that interior, and it's been that way for the last few weeks, but that group's got to step up. That group this week has got to step up, and it will help them to have running plays early to get them off the ball, but just mix, have a good mix that everybody gets involved, Kyle gets the ball out, and you go down and score on the first drive. If you don't do anything on the first drive, then I, I think it's going to be tough because then if you force the Browns to have to chase you all day, then you got that opportunity. Yes. To keep them from chasing or to make them chase you. That three, guard, center, guard, got to step up. We said it for a few weeks now, but it's got to be at a different level this week against the well, Browns to get a win. There's an X factor to talk about here. Obviously, Watson coming in is Watson coming in. We talk about the football side of it. The buzz in the building. The electricity in the air. Ooh, yeah. How is that going to play out on Sunday? Will it motivate? We talked about it with Lovey moments ago, mm -hmm. right? Lovey thought it was a factor right. that guys are going to be inspired by this. I'm paraphrasing here. Right. That guys are going to react to this. How could they not? You're having a bad season record-wise, but week to week, it always feels like you renew yourself, right? right. And no matter, you have to sure. in yeah. this game. And they're going out there. It's NFL football, baby. You sacrifice the body. You want a big moment. Right. This is a big moment. Go ahead and stand up and make it happen for yourselves. And despite the fact that a lot of these guys are saying all the right things about Watson, why not go ahead and capitalize on this, right. on this energy from the fans in the stands. Go ahead and get after it. Make some plays. Maybe he makes some mistakes. I think he's going to give one up or two. Yeah. He's he going to. Did. He always did. In every great game that he played, he always gave one up. 2017 in New England, he threw that one to Stephon Gilmore that turned into a touchdown. Right. You just hope he doesn't you know? throw three touchdowns to, right. to compensate for it. Right. Uh, you got to find a way. You know, I, I was watching his rookie highlight reel. Don't ask me why. <sighs> why? Why? I think it popped up because I've been why? searching stuff about him, and it popped up at a – you know how your phone always – they know your phone knows what you've been your looking phone at. Knows, yeah, the and phone it's like, knows you. you want to look at some of this, some of Watson's rookie highlight can I, reel. Can I reel you in? <laughs> can I yeah. reel you in? Uh, I've been asked this, and I'm sure you get to ask this. Cheers or booze? Uh, oh. What do you? What's the majority? Do you think for Watson? Yeah, booze majority. Booze or neutral? Okay, booze. Lots of it. Okay. Are you kidding? Yeah. It is going to be cacophony of bull, of booze <laughs> and bulls. Yeah, and bulls. Hopefully, yes. they're going to be bulls on parade circa yeah. 2011. Oh, back defense. to the phone thing for a moment. I was listening to a Spotify a rewatchable on the Ringer oh, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, a yeah. podcast on Goodfellas. And then a Goodfellas YouTube video oh, pops up on my phone. Your phone knows you. My phone said, oh, you want, you, you've you been listening to this Goodfellas podcast on a completely different platform. Right. Well, maybe Google owns Spotify. I have no idea. But it's the ringer. And then this YouTube video push your phone notification. Knows you. George yeah. Orwell is sitting somewhere up there going, see, I told you. 
I told you. Did if you, you don't know who George Orwell is, then look up 1984. They know, they know because they all read about it they during should. the uh, pandemic. You had to read it. Did you, you see the Tom Cruise movie Minority Report? He It's a futuristic movie. I didn't see it. He plays a cop, I believe. But when he walks on the subway, you see like these hologram images. Like, yeah. They know what ads he likes or what products he likes, and they're flashing ads. That's... And I thought, at the time, I thought, oh, yeah, maybe someday we'll get to that kind of technology. No, we're here. Here it is. We're it's here. been here for a while, actually. We are here. And we're not going anywhere. Mark is because we got to get to Nathan Zagura behind enemy sidelines. Andrew Doherty does a little Jenga with Jordan Akins. That's next on Texas All Access. Yes, sir. Welcome back to this Friday edition of Texas All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. We're less than 48 hours away from kicking it off against the Cleveland Browns. So let's learn a little bit more about the Browns as DP City goes behind enemy sidelines with sideline reporter, analyst, basically the me of Cleveland, Nathan Zagura. We're going behind enemy sidelines with Nathan Zagura, Cleveland Browns color analyst, my good friend. We chat over the years. Nathan, welcome in. I mean, the last time these two teams played, it was Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield at quarterback. It seems like that was 100 years ago, and now here we are. Yeah, do you think about that game, and Baker gets injured in that game, and how that changed last year, and maybe... Tyrod got injured, yes. And maybe we wouldn't be sitting here today about to talk about Deshaun Watson returning to Houston as the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. So, yeah, and, and the Browns and the Texans have played many, many times since we've been doing this. And, you know, neither team, I think, is where they want to be right now. Uh, maybe the Texans are happy because they're going to have a lot of good draft picks and a good opportunity to turn the franchise around. But for the Browns' standpoint, not as good sitting here at 4-7, and seven, although coming off of a nice win over Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, big overtime win. And I was going to start with that at 4-7 and seven with Deshaun Watson coming back. What are the expectations for the Browns? I see some reports that there's still some slim playoff chances, but are the expectations that high here heading into this month of December? I think that we're still on the road of hope, right? I think had we lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the road is closed. Sorry, we'll see you next year. And then it would have been about how does Deshaun look in these final six games? And I think that really is still really what we're looking at how does Deshaun look but if they can keep stacking you know one and oh each week and add that up and at the end of the year you have a chance but the margin for error is gone and part of that is because the Browns lost some games early in the season that frankly they shouldn't have lost they lose to the Jets up 13 inside of two minutes with no timeouts left to the Jets uh, you miss a field goal at the end of regulation you actually miss two in the game and you lose to the Chargers at home you had a chance to beat the Ravens so the Browns kind of let it get away from them early. Jacoby Brissett did an unbelievable job. A tremendous human, tremendous quarterback. Played great for us. Uh, but yeah, four and seven now, it's every game is probably like a playoff game. You've got to win them all. Um, and, you know, it's really going to be more about, okay, we thought it was only six games. It ended up being 11. Now what do we see from Deshaun Watson that tells us about this team this year? Because there's still a lot of talent on the on the roster and then going into next year. But as long as they don't lose, you can still be talking about the next week having meaning for the 2022 season. It's just so weird. He hasn't played in 700 days from the last time he took the field for regular season game. And yet here we are in Houston, going to see both book ends of those games. We're going to see the last game he played and the first game back. So I know you've been around the team. Obviously you've seen him practicing and, and him being with the team in the meetings. What can you tell us about what these last few weeks have been like just his transition into that starting role? Yeah, so he came back. Uh, he's been back for six weeks. He's been able to practice now. This will be the third week that he's been able to practice. And, you know, each week they've kind of ramped up a little bit more of what he was doing, you know, getting some first team reps. Then, you know, he was getting second team reps and some scout team reps just to kind of get him back out there. But I can tell you, 
he looks great. He obviously was very committed to the plan they put together for him during this time away. Physically, he looks great. You know he throws a great ball. I mean, his throwing motion is so compact. He's so accurate with the football. You can see that there's a palpable excitement. I think that Jacoby Brissett exceeded expectations so greatly and became so beloved even by his teammates and the respect of his teammates that there was a real sense of we need to win this game for Jacoby being the one against Tampa Bay. And they did that. And so now it's Deshaun's team. Jacoby's handled it with the ultimate class and grace, um, but he looks good. And I think the expectation is, you know, there's probably going to be a little bit of rust. There's no simulation for live NFL football, but he's going to have to come in and get acclimated pretty quickly. Now the Texans have had their struggles. You know, you'd say that this would be a good game to, to come back in based on what's happened transpired, but it's the NFL. You can't take anybody lightly. And uh, I expect, though, that he will be good. This is a very good scheme. Kevin Stefanski runs a very, very good offense. We're a top five offense in the league for a reason. And, you know, you got Nick Chubb. You got Kareem Hunt. Amari Cooper's playing very well. Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Njoku. So, and a great offensive line. So, it's a talented supporting cast. Uh, but I think he's going to come in. I think he's going to play well. Does the offense change at all when Deshaun Watson's under center? Do they pare down the playbook for him and then open it up later. I mean, what changes do you foresee here from last week to this week with the offense? I think it's going to open the playbook and significantly. So, uh, you know, what we do at our core and it's not just an outside zone team anymore. We run a lot of pin pull. We run some power. We run a lot of different concepts in the running game. Deshaun, you know, in Houston was predominantly, not exclusively, predominantly a shotgun quarterback. So he, you're going to get to see him under center. He actually likes that in some of the play action, the boot game. But the biggest change that's going to be added to our offense now are the read option and then the RPO game. And that was just something that wasn't there. And you could even go watch last week, you know, a couple times we'd run what really was a read option, but Jacoby's handing it off every time and nobody's even accounting for him in the running game. And now that's going to open, I think, a lot of things up in terms of taking advantage of Deshaun's movement skills. He also can attack every blade of grass with his arm. Uh, he can throw it to all three levels and throw it accurately. So uh, I think it'll open some things up, not to take anything away from Jacoby, but just as an athlete, he is a different quarterback. And, and there's a reason that, you know, despite everything that was going on, teams wanted him. He's a, he's a game changer at that position. All right, well, let's talk about the run game. I mean, Nick Chubb is obviously a guy that Texans have seen a number of times before, and he's just having himself such a season, already over 1,000 yards rushing, 12 rushing touchdowns, had the walk-off touchdown in overtime against the Bucks. Are you surprised that the, the Browns have only won four games with the sort of season that Chubb's been having, especially since he's put up like six games with 100 yards rushing? Yeah, he's got 600-yard games, you're right, including last week over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. DB, to be honest with you, if you came into this season and you would have told me after 11 games that Nick Chubb that would Chubb's going to have six 100-yard rushing performances, like, wouldn't you guess a higher number of wins? I'm very curious oh, about this. Top five offense. Jacoby Brissett vastly outplayed the expectations. You know, Amari Cooper's among the league leaders in receiving touchdowns and receiving yards. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones has blossomed in the second year. David Njoku, prior to his injury, was top five in receptions and yards at tight end that our offense would be top five, would be a top 10 scoring offense. Remember, last year, we were a top five defense. And I think everybody thought the formula was, if we can just be kind of competent on offense, our D will be good enough, we'll run it with Nick Chubb, and we'll win a lot of games. Well, our offense blew all of those things out of the water. It's been our defense and our special teams that have vastly underperformed. And so if you were to look at isolation at any part of the offense, whether it be Nick Chubb, whether it's Amari, whether it's Jacoby Brissett, you would say this team, and we should be. I mean, if you actually... And you guys aren't because you're dealing with the Texans every single Sunday. But this is a team that should be seven and four, should be six and five at the worst, just doing normal things like 
The game we lost to the Jets, 2,236 games in that exact scenario, the team had won. And mm. ironically enough, yeah. the last to lose in that scenario was the Browns in 2001. So it had been two decades for a team <laughs> under those auspices. And we had so many chances early in the season that we let get away from us. So, yes, it's stunning that the record is what it is. The Browns are probably the most talented four and seven team in the league and maybe in a long, long time. You talk about Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. And uh, we've got a young rookie corner, MJ Emerson, who's playing great. Jeremiah Wusukoromo, a clowny. Uh, Houston Texans would know right. him obviously quite well. And then offensively, all the guys we go through, not to mention, you know, multiple time pro bowlers and all pros at three of your five spots on your offensive line. This is a team that should be in a different position. It's not. And so now the onus is on them to play flawless. Like they've eliminated the margin for error. And that's what they're going to have to do is take care of business. We can, we can on paper. They just look tremendous. And, and let's talk about the defense a little bit. Miles Garrett and Jadevian Clowney, who we've seen Clowney up close and personal for, for several years here. Now his second year with Miles Garrett. So when you see the two of them on the field together, how have you seen that chemistry improve? It seems like the sack numbers are still quite lopsided between the two, yeah. which is something we always saw with Clowney, but, Garrett's putting up sack numbers and both of them just rushing off the edge are just such a force for opposing quarterbacks. But how have you seen that duo sort of grow over the years? Well, Jadevian was actually playing really well early in the year and he got hurt against the Jets. He had a sack strip fumble in that game. He got hurt, missed some time, tried to gut it out, but his snap counts have been limited. And, and this is kind of the first time that he's really started to feel like he's back to himself. He played, I think, something like the last 30 snaps of the game uh, in a row. And he and Miles combined for a huge sack just outside of two minutes to force the Bucks to give us the ball back before the Browns were able to go down and tie the game. Uh, and then Miles got another sack in overtime that was forced them to punt it back and the Browns were able to go down and win the game. Uh, Miles is dominant. He's pro football folks' number one graded defender, period, regardless of position this year. Uh, and, you know, he had a car accident. He's very lucky to be alive. It, it, it was a crazy situation and he's finally feeling better. Uh, although he got dinged in that injured shoulder last week. So we'll see what his status is as the week goes on. But they work very well together. And, and Jadevian, you know, last year did end up with nine sacks for the Browns, which was the highest he'd had since his days in Houston. And, and it, they are together a very, very good duo. And if your tackles are not up to par, one of them will exploit the other. But what you know about Clowney, to be true, is tremendous in the run game. Multiple tackles for loss last week. He would blew up a couple of plays. And so it may not always show up as a sack. Um, but he makes a lot of negative plays. And so together, they've been good. It's just, it's been little things. We have not stopped the run well. I mean, you go and you look at it, both running backs from Buffalo had their season highs against us in the same game. The Dolphins ran all over the Cleveland Browns. Austin Eckler had more yards in week five than he had in the first four combined running against the Browns. And I know Damian Pierce is an excellent running back. I have him in a lot of my fantasy leagues. Um, oh, well, okay. <laughs> I have Chubb, by the way, which uh, yeah. is going to be hard this week. He's been stymied a little bit of late, and part of that's you know the inability of Texans struggling to throw the football. But that's their Texans are going to test the Browns in the middle of that defense, no doubt. You know, and that's where we've had our problems is stopping the run, honestly, especially in the interior. Our tackles have been inconsistent, and then our run fits at the second level have been inconsistent as well. And so that's where teams have been able to really gash the Cleveland Browns this year. Great job, DP and Nathan. You did pretty well too, but you're the enemy, so we can't say you did great, but you did you did well enough. Now for two guys. On the good guy's side, Drew Doherty's Drew's Dozen. I like the alliteration. I do it every single week. Drew's Doherty's Drew's Dozen. And this week, Drew is getting a dozen done while he's playing Jenga with tight end Jordan Akins. Great stuff here. Drew, it's all yours. 
Hopefully you win this time. This gentleman from Georgia was so good at football coming out of high school that he went and played professional baseball for four years as a third-round pick of the Texas Rangers. When he decided to switch back to football, went to UCF, lit it up in college, and became a third-round draft pick of the Houston Texans. Five years in the NFL. He's having the best of them right now. Talking, of course, about tight end Jordan Aikens. Naturally, after a setup like that, we got to play some Jenga. Good to see you, my friend. You doing all right? Yes, sir. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, No pulls from the top three. Every time you pull a block, you answer the question that's on there. Every time I pull a block, you're answering the question that I ask. So it's uh, your turn. You good at Jenga? Yeah, I'm pretty good. I would think so. Pro sport athlete, two different sports. Who has the best hair on the team? I'd say Troy. Troy Hairston? Troy Hairston, yeah. Hair is in his name. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? He got the curl pattern and everything going, so. Who has the cleanest locker on the team? I say myself, out of the tight ends. Cleaner than anybody else in the locker room? Uh, I'm pretty sure there's somebody else cleaner than me, but I don't be observing like that. Yeah, you kind of stick to the business, right? Handle my area and keep it pushing. All right. Which teammate could, what's that say? Is that play? Could play, yeah. Yeah, which teammate could play on the other side of the ball? I would say J.O. Jonathan Owens. Jonathan Owens. Really? Yeah. He's nice in the slot. Really? He's okay. nice in the slot. Yeah. Interesting to hear. Sure. Yeah. Favorite potato chip flavor? Uh, barbecue. Barbecue? Okay. Barbecue. Ridged or flat? Kettle. Oh, yeah. yeah. Kettle yes. barbecue. Oh, that's the best. Best concert you have been to? Bone Thugs and Harmony. <laughs> when was that? About four, three, four years ago. Really? About three, four years ago, yeah. Minnesota. Where did they play Crossroads in the, uh, the order? Ooh. Uh, I would say, like, towards the end, though. Towards they closed it out yeah. with that one. Brunch with Jay-Z or you get $500,000. Which would you choose? I say brunch with Jay-Z. You'd do it for the knowledge? Yeah, for the knowledge. The stories? Yeah. You ever been in the same room, same stadium with him, do you know? Yeah, when they performed here, him and um, Beyonce had their tour here. Oh, okay. You remember that? I think it was like three years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good concert? It was great. Okay. It was great. When's the last time you played some Jenga? Uh, not too long ago. Maybe January. Oh, okay, February. okay. All season. Gotcha. What would your superpower be to fly? Who is your favorite teammate to sit next to on the plane? I actually sit alone on the plane. Uh, what is your guilty pleasure song? Say milk if you buck. <laughs> hey, I mean, they kind of get me going, you know what I'm saying? That's a good, that's a good one. I like that one. What's your most used emoji? I'm not big on emoji. I say the 100. You put the 100 mm-hmm. That's a good one. That's a good one, yeah. Okay, which teammate has the most inaccurate Madden rating? Man, it's going to be bad, but I'm not a big Madden player. I would probably say myself. Yeah, too low? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what your rating is if you're not a Madden guy? I believe last time a fan tagged me or something, I was like a 69, maybe? 68, 69. Goodness. What's going on there, Madden yeah. people? Come on. Come on, you got to fix that. Yeah. Have you seen this guy play? I disagree. Uh, I don't play Madden either, but my sons do, and they get in fist fights about it. So we've had to take Madden away a time or two. What was your favorite childhood TV show? Rocket Power. Oh, okay. I love the Rocket Power. Was that a, pardon my ignorance, Nickelodeon? Nickelodeon. Okay, okay, okay. Better Hey Arnold. Hey Arnold, yeah. That was also Damien Pierce is one of his favorites. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and Cat Dog. Where does he pronounce it? Cat Dog. Cat Dog. (laughs) Who on the team would you not let date your sister? (laughs) Do you have have sisters? Uh, Yeah, I do. How many? I have two sisters. Two sisters, older, younger? One older, one younger. And are, do you have any brothers? Uh, yes, I have three older brothers. Three, okay, big family. Yeah, big family. Who would you not want dating those sisters of yours? My boy, Brea. Who? Brevin. 
Brevin Jordan. Oh, that's my dog. You've been called you want, out, Brevin boy, Jordan. Man, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Uh, he loves you, but not enough to be a future brother-in-law. So that's that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But another way. That's funny stuff right there. <laughs> okay. Who is the most underrated artist? All time, I would say Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx? Jamie Foxx, as a, as a, like the music side. He, anything. I mean, Think about how talented the guy is. What is your spirit animal? Either a tiger or a lion? Marvel or DC? Marvel. Okay, who's your favorite? Mm, I had to say Black Panther. Black Panther? I had to go with Black Panther. Well, cool. Who was your favorite NFL player growing up? Oh, man. <laughs> Randy Moss. Randy Moss. I don't know that there's been another player chosen other than Randy Moss. Everybody loves Randy Moss. And I really? understandably so. I mean, he's. Well, I can go with Tony Gonzalez as well. Jordan, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Good game, my friend. The streak lives on. Yes, it does. Nice job, gentlemen. Really appreciate that. And of course, hearing the Jenga pegs fall, I don't know, there's something. Romantic about that. I really love that. And congratulations to Drew as the streak moves on. All right, we get back. We got to do my predictions early because we got plenty of stuff to do in the second hour. We got to talk to Fletch. We got to do our in the lab. We got to talk to Jordan Akins on a football side of things. And of course, we got some Houston Methodist minutes too. So let's do our predictions next. And we are rifling. We are going fast. We'll do that right here on Texans All Access. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to a Friday edition of Texans All Access. Can you name that sitcom? Hey, hey, hey. Let's see if you're good. It's 70s. It took place out in Los Angeles. Let's see if you figure it out. By the end of this segment, I will tell you what sitcom Hey, Hey, Hey was from. See if you can't come up with it a little bit earlier. All right, we got to make predictions. And I, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, will make all game predictions straight up and against the spread right now. Well, I need my music first. And now we'll do it because there's my music. All right. We've got to rock. Steelers going to take on the Falcons. The Falcons have played well at home. Pittsburgh on a short week has got to go back on the road. This one's even. I think it's that's wrong. I think the Falcons should be favoring this. I'm going with the Falcons to win. And obviously being even, they will cover. The Packers are taking on the Bears. They might, the Bears, get Justin Fields back. But the Packers might have Aaron Rodgers back. So let's go Packers. I think the Packers just overall right now are better. No Roquan, no Robert Quinn. I think that's prime for the Packers, even if it's Jordan Love. I'd go with Jordan Love for the rest of the season just to see what I had. Packers will win, and they'll cover the three-point spread. Jags are taking on the Lions. Detroit's favored by one. So in reality, this is essentially a pick em. In Detroit, I will go with the Lions. Lions won three in a row. They had the Bills 25-25 with 25 seconds left. They just happened to get Josh Allen down the stretch. I'm going Lions to win and send the Jaguars back uh, one spot to four and eight. Lions would move to five and seven with the win. So let's go Detroit to win and to cover that one point. The Jets are going to Minnesota. Minnesota's getting no love from Vegas. None. They're only a three-point favorite against Mike White and the Jets. And I think that plays into Minnesota's hands. They have been off since Thanksgiving night. So they've had a little extra rest. Had the mini bye. And I think they will make the Jets pay for it. Vikings win this by 10. Let's go 34-24. Vikings win and cover the three points. This one I kind of went back and forth on a little bit. But not too much. The Commanders are 7-5. The Giants are 7-4. Giants have lost two in a row. Washington's favored by two in New York. And that feels right. The more I thought about this, the Commanders 
physically beat teams up. They beat up the Texans. I think they'll beat up the Giants. And I think the Washington Commanders will win this thing by more than two. And the Giants slide moves to three games in a row for the Giants as Washington will win and cover this game on the road. Tights taking on the Eagles. It's going to be a heck of a football game. Taking place at noon, same time. So we'll keep our eyes on this as we got eyes on Browns, Texans. Eagles at home, only a four and a half point favorite. Titans, a little banged up. They've been banged up. But the Eagles are staying on that roll. Now, I don't know if the Eagles are the best team in the league. They have the best record at 10-1. But they play really well in Philly. And I think, other than one game, but I think they play really well in Philly. I think they're going to play exceptionally well against the Titans. And I think the Eagles, and A.J. Brown getting revenge on his old team, I think the Eagles win that thing. Covering the four and a half, and the Titans fall to seven and five. I just don't think anybody can catch the Titans. In the AFC South, the Broncos. Oh, God. The Broncos are a mess. They're not going to Russell Wilson's party. They're fighting with him on the sidelines. It's wild. So, Broncos three and eight. Ravens seven and four. Baltimore's favored by almost ten. Nine and a half. But the ten is the mark I was thinking about. That's more than nine and a half. So, I'm going with Ravens to win that and cover over the Broncos. Broncos won't score more than 17. The Ravens will score more than that. I don't even think the Broncos get the 14. How about that? So Bronco, excuse me, Ravens to win and to cover. Seahawks taking on the Rams in our first afternoon game. The Rams have been god-awful. It's really bad. I mean, the Rams are 3-8. Seahawks are favored by 7 in SoFi. I don't love it. In fact, I think that's right at the number. But I just can't put my faith in the Rams. I just can't. Seahawks are going to win that. Aaron Donald's been banged up. Quarterbacks have been banged up with the Rams. I think Seahawks are going to go win that. Let's give them a cover. I think it's right at 7. I would pick 34-27. But let's go Seahawks to win and, and to cover on the road. Dolphins taking on the 49ers. This is out in San Francisco, Santa Clara, if you will. San Francisco's favored by 4. I think the 49ers jump all over the Dolphins. All over them. I think they win this by 14 or more. Dolphins win 42-28. I think this 49ers team is on the verge of just completely breaking out. They're going to hammer the Dolphins. Chiefs and Bengals. Chiefs are 9-2. They have struggled with the Bengals, though. They lost the last two last year. KC's favored by two in Cincinnati. But I think this is the time the Chiefs get them. The Chiefs are playing some better football, finding a way to win games at the end. And with a spread of two, that's not quite a pick but it's pretty darn close. I'm going to give the Chiefs a win. Even by three, that's enough. So let's go Chiefs to win and to cover that too. Chargers, Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders are favored by one. I'm going to pick them in a, well, it's not really an upset. I think the Raiders are going to win that thing and cover that number. Colts, Cowboys, Sunday night. Nice. Dallas is favored by ten and a half. Let's go Cowboys. And then Monday night, this is an ugly game. Buccaneers are favored by three and a half. Let's take the Buccaneers to cover that at home. All right, we got one hour down, one hour left to go. And we will kick off in the lab next right here on Texas All Access. We got one hour down, one hour left to go right here on a Friday edition of Texas All Access. The Browns are coming to town. And Deshaun Watson is coming with them. No surprise. We've been talking about this for a while. 700 days. It's been 700 days since the last time Deshaun Watson, on Sunday that will be, 700 days since Deshaun Watson took the field in a regular season capacity and he was wearing the Texans Deep Steel Blue on that day in a loss, 38-35 to the Tennessee Titans. 
a gut punch loss if there ever was one. And now he'll be on the other side, and hopefully he goes home with another gut punch loss. Well, Drew Dory and I talked about that. We talked about the Browns, and we talked about one of our favorite new things to do. And it involves one of his sons, which makes it even better. That's right now. This is In the Lab Time. I'm Drew, and it's here, John. We've been thinking about this day before the day even was scheduled. So after the Deshaun Watson trade went down last spring, a month or so later, the schedule came out. Mm -hmm. This was circled. You knew no matter what the records were for either team, this was going to be a big, big week, a big, big day. And we're just a few days away now, John. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about it. I've talked to Mark about this a few times. I don't quite know how to feel. I think Sunday was should the game you, Nor gets should going. you. This is unprecedented. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird. It's unprecedented. It's weird. After everything that had gone down and seeing how Deshaun and his camp had handled things, I was I was ready for the divorce, I think, like a lot of people were in Houston. Like, all right, if he wants to go, just go. Go ahead. Move on. What I was hoping was that uh, my pal Blake Jones and the scheduling team would just have us play the Browns without. It just it becomes a big circus, and now it becomes an even bigger circus. And I love big circuses when it's a divisional playoff round or it's a playoff game or it's a Monday night game or something like that. I don't want a circus that's caused by a guy that made waves to leave here for whatever reasons. And now he's on the other side, and now you got to face him. But – I feel like Lovey Smith was was on to something the other day. He said, once we get past Sunday, then the, the book is closed. It's done. It's, you know, he's a brown, and away you go. Um, we'll have to see him again in 2023 back here at Energy Stadium, so there's that as well. So mm-hmm. you're going to see him within, you know, a year or whatever. Then there's a part of me that's like, look, it's the football side is he hasn't played in 700 days. He hasn't played a regular season football game in 700 days. So how does he hold up? I'm sure there are going to be, there's going to be a lot of excitement for him. There's going to be a lot of rust. There's going to be a lot of wanna sticking it to the Texans sort of thing. So, I don't know. I'm curious how it all goes. But you're right. How are you feeling about the whole thing? Yeah, the same way. I mean, there's a a lot that goes into this. Yeah. Just disappointment at on the whole at, at the right. fifty thousand foot level. Right. Just disappointment at everything. You know, because he was and is an excellent player. It's just a damn shame yeah. about everything that went down. I mean. There were some fun, fun times here as a rookie. Yeah. Then the next year in 18, didn't end the way you wanted to in 18, but that was a hell of a fun season. Yeah, 11 18 wins, was a fun season. Nine in a row mm-hmm. there at one point. And a bunch of stars on both sides of the ball. It was just, just disappointment about this whole situation, no matter what happens on right. Sunday. Disappointment if the Texans win. Disappointment if the Texans lose. Just that, that it all went down this way. Now, I want the yeah. Texans to win. I'm not going right. to be as disappointed, but disappointment on a lot of different fronts. And I think... You bring up Rust. I do think he's going to play great. Yeah. You know, just knowing who he is and knowing what we've seen of him and knowing of, about his preparation and also knowing that he's been practicing with them yeah, and he has getting been. first mm-hmm. team reps, not all the way through, but getting first team reps for the last month or so. He's not just going to come out here looking like some fat guy in a beer league softball game. Yeah, exactly. He's going to play. He's going to get his, his moments. He's going to get his plays. He's going to do one or two things that – remind you of the magic we saw yeah. uh, when he was here. But I think you can also get to him because with that magic, sometimes there came some sacks. Yep. Um, you know, he didn't have the best protection, but he also he brought some of those sacks on himself. So hopefully the Tex- Texans can take advantage of that. And like Mario Addison was saying in the, in the open locker room period yesterday, he's like, I, I sacked Deshaun Watson once, and 
I don't know how he held on to the ball. Right. I hit him as hard as I could, and the ball didn't come loose. Well, I so think maybe that's, comes a, that, loose. that's a great point, and that is if you get back there to sack him, mm-hmm. you've got to bring everything you got because it's, I mean, obviously the last – Last playoff game he played here in 2019. I mean, he, he proved it. He got he took a car crash and spun out of it and found a receiver and got the ball down into yeah. field goal range. So he's got that in him. I mean, he's a big, strong guy. So once you get back there, it's not just okay. I'm back here. Let me try and swipe at the ball. But if you want a sack, you're going to have to earn it against that guy. Um, but one of the things we always knew here and. And I went back and when I watched it in 2018, and I know that was only his second year, but I think this was fairly commonplace for him. He'd hold the ball. Yeah. He'd hold the ball. He he's not one to take the the nickel and dime change. He wanted five bucks, ten bucks every time he threw the ball, and so he was going to throw it 15 yards and beyond. And so if he had to hold it and take a few sacks, such that he could make two or three completions down the road, he was going to do that. And so you got your opportunity to get back there and and uh, and make sacks. And I think one of the areas that the Texans are going to have to be even better, and you saw it again against Miami. And and I said this to to Everett, um, who does our our PR and this magical stuff. He's down on the the sidelines with me during games, so he gives me all the the team info and all that kind of stuff when players are hurt and all that. So. I, we were talking, and I said, every single time that a guy puts the ball in the belly, a quarterback puts the ball in the belly, we're, we're in trouble because our linebackers are screaming forward. And Tua was probably worst of all because Tua was so quick. His fake would be it would be fake, boom, throw. It was that quick. Yeah. And so it's that's really, really tough. So if there's anything, I would think the Browns would try and, try and use some of those RPO situations some of those really quick play action you know hard slant glance route sort of things to get receivers into open spots and then when you have enough guys that are open like that your quarterback settles in and that's the way Tua was the other day it took Tua a little while he had fired a couple and had missed Waddle through behind one I think um one had too much sauce on it but then when he kind of settled down and settled in it was like man he's getting what he wants out of play action game so Texas got to be that much better against play action, but it's hard when they run the ball the way that they do. So it's going to be a tough challenge from that perspective, but that's what the Texans have struggled with all year. Play action fakes, ball in the belly of a running back, and everybody is screaming to the football. It leaves that intermediate area wide open, and that does worry me on Sunday, especially against a guy like that that can throw it like that. No doubt. And we'll also see a little Jadeveon Clowney. Ooh. Saw him. It was fun. I saw him on the sidelines of a flag football game about a month ago. Yeah. I have a seven-year-old. He's got a seven-year-old, and his team was playing before our team played, and so I got to say hello and catch up with him. It was good yeah. seeing him. He yeah. was a, a jolly fellow when he was around here. So you know he's going to be licking his chops, and you know at times he can take over a game. Yeah. So I worry be, a lot about of him, him, especially because he was moved around a lot in Romeo Cornell's system. Here. Yes. And a lot of times they'd line him up over a center. So – you kind of worry, or at least I kind of worry, and I'm, I'm guessing you worry a little bit as well. About you stole, you, I don't want to say you stole it from me, but yeah, you're, you're yeah, right what along lines. What he looks lines. like, oh, yeah. he comes over the center and yes. screams through there. That worries me more than anything. You know, the more you play games, the more you figure out about other teams. Likewise, teams figure those things out about you. And I think teams have realized, hey, look, we can exploit the Texans' offensive interior, mm-hmm. and we can exploit it to our benefit in a big, big way. 
And so I don't think that the Browns interior guys can do that as much. You know, Taven Bryan is quicker and twitchier than some of the other guys. Um, but even those guys like Christian Wilkins last week, like Christian's a bigger guy, but he's just using a quick swim move to get past guys. I mean, it was, it was too easy. It's been too easy. Um, the offensive interior could have some issues, especially when Clowney gets in there because Clowney has got that twitch and he's got the strength. I think that was the one thing that we used to talk about a lot. He's so strong that he can handle. I remember going to Baltimore in 17 on a Monday night and he, he swam the center and then he bull rushed the running back and he grabbed Flacco by one arm and yanked him down for a sack. And I just remember thinking, wow, did I just watch that? Holy smokes. So, He's got that, and I think he still got it in his bag five years earlier or five years later. And I do think the Browns will scheme him up to go against the guards and the centers for the Texans, and and that could require some help. Somehow, I would imagine um, they've got to give help to those guys inside because of that. It's not the sheer power this week; it's more the quickness um, combined with the power with Clowney. So, yeah, as much as we're concerned about. Deshaun Watson, what he does, I think Clowney could have that game. I, I want to say this is the first time Clowney has played back at NRG because with the Titans, I can't remember if he played in that game. I think you're right. I think we would have remembered this. Yeah. He, he's he was injured. In and out. He yeah. was injured at various points in the 2020 season. I think he missed that last game of the year in 2020 against us. Right. So either way, um, he's going to play in this game, and he's going to want to make the same kind of impact that Deshaun did and and we'll plan on making so it's going to be tough to see those guys on the opposite sideline and you know it makes you think back to 16 17 18 you're like man boy this roster holy smokes this roster yeah. had some dudes on packed it. with talent you yep. have them you had jj watt yeah deandre hopkins fuller. yeah will fuller was catching touchdowns yep. yeah lots of good players on those teams for sure dj reader excellent player miss it we miss you know i know clowny told you hey we haven't been the same since clowny that's true we've not been the same since clowny's been gone but it's even been worse since DJ Reader's been gone. Yeah. And then you see what Cincinnati is doing against the run. Mm -hmm. And you're like, it ain't one guy, but when that's a consistent theme and the guy's been on the same team, uh, yeah, DJ Reader has been he's been missed for sure. For sure. Hey, you and I were both proud dads. Yes. You've got a couple kids. I got five kids. Yeah. We share stories about what our youngsters are accomplishing. Yours it's are a little true. older. I always love hearing about the year two and whether they're uh, designing a new mainframe computer like the Whopper, but like the Whopper <laughs> on steroids, yeah. or, you know, appearing in the latest movie or whatever. I, yeah. I love hearing that stuff, and I, I pepper you with all sorts of good news. But, hey, my, my two of my oldest daughters are going to be in the Nutcracker performance here soon. Nice! Yep, my little guy Very just nice. won a flag football championship. My other guy was an all-star in 7-on-7. Seven yeah. seven. The baby, she says lots of words. Yes, that's but good. Last night I had a proud dad moment, and I shared it with you and the rest yeah. of the little crew <laughs> because it, it involved you. Uh, you, like a heroin dealer, got yeah. me addicted to the Pro Football Network's yeah. mock draft simulator. That's correct. Now, listen, you and I do mock draft simulators all the time. We did yeah. it all last all spring. Yeah, that was PFF and uh, Draft Network had theirs. Great yeah. ones, great yeah. ones. But this one has taken it to a new level because it does the simulation, but when you – since you're the Texans, you have the first overall pick. When the when the draft starts, you've got six people wanting to tr make trades right. with you. And you've got right. all these variations. So you can trade. you got all these new picks. you got picks for down the road. Well, 
I had done it a few times, mm-hmm. and my oldest son, Robert, who's a third grader, saw me doing that, mm-hmm. and he's, what's that? What's going on? And he, he's, he's my absorber. He looks, he listens, he internalizes, <laughs> doesn't say much. Yeah. And so last night I put the baby to sleep, and that's a, you know, it's like a 25-minute process with bath and putting the bottle in and getting her down. Yeah. And I come back out, and sitting at the island on my computer is mm-hmm. Robert and Oliver looking over his shoulder, and he's saying, you know, he comes out, and he's like, Dad, who should I take between Kayshawn Boutite <laughs> and Bijan Robinson? They know Bijan Robinson of course. because their mom's yeah, a yeah. Longhorn. Yeah. But they discovered the 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 simulator. Yeah. And they're yeah, making yeah. trades. And I sent you one of his his little drafts he did last night. It was night. pretty darn good. I'm telling you right now, the, te- the Texans fans would love that draft. <laughs> love it. Because it's got a quarterback and it's got some offensive skill players that people know. Uh, and the defensive skill player that he took, or defensive player that he took, was Brian Brisset from out of Clemson. Yeah. Uh, which I would be very, very happy. Beef in the middle. Yeah, some beef and some quickness in the middle with Brisset. Uh, that would have been a really, you would have walked out of there going, Nice job, Nick Casario, if you come out of that. I think mm-hmm. fans would have been very, very excited about that. So uh, I was, it was like I was a proud heroin dealer <laughs> knowing that I had dealt my and product. Listen, listen you, you, uh, you just showed it to me. You didn't yeah. like, push it. Yeah. And I didn't push the, the, th- the simulator on these guys. Yeah. He just saw it, and he's like, what's he doing? And so when I came out, I was like, yeah. man, they really are like you. You know, it was yeah. a proud dad moment. And Oliver was chirping. And saying you should do this, and you should like he always does. So yeah. it was it was kind of fun, and I knew. What was it? Was Ollie adding to it? Was Ollie like, oh, don't yeah. drop Bijan? No, he. Lo- oh no 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 no. Bijan is almost like a non-negotiable. They want him yeah, on yeah, the Texans. Yeah. It's yeah. like they figure out any way to possible to get to make him. sure that they get him. Yeah. We're drafted in the sixth round, but we're gonna make sure <laughs> Bijan's there. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's really fun to see. So. Yeah, that uh, they're going to be after my laptop when I get home at night, every night, <laughs> wanting to do that. And I'm not mad about it. I'm really no. not mad about it. I could think it'd be into much worse things. All right, I got to admit, the music's addictive. I just got to admit that up front. I mean, the little, you know, bubbling in the back. I just, it's it's addictive. I hear that all the time. Of course, we hear it as we do the podcast. So uh, I, l- I love hearing it. So appreciate Drew for stopping by. And yeah, uh, the mock draft simulators are fun. All the different trades you can make. I mean, it's just. It's a blast. I mean, it's none of it makes sense <laughs> at all, but, you know, you love it nonetheless. Speaking of love it, I love the Tax Act Texas poll. My man David Fletcher from LSSC stopped by. We talked about that next. Texans All Access. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a Friday edition of Texans All Access. Appreciate you being here with me, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, for your Houston Texans. And I know... We have got some massive fans out there, and I want to give props to some of our biggest fans out there, and one of those is Daikin, D-A-I-K-I-N, Daikin. These guys are doing big things in Houston. As the world's number one indoor comfort provider, Daikin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. From comfort and convenience to air quality, Daikin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors as they lead the way to a more sustainable future, reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. Learn more at Daikin, D-A-I-K-I-N, Daikin, loveshouston.com. And I know Daikin loves David Fletcher. And you're thinking, wait, wait, David Fletcher, I've heard that name before. Yeah, he's been on Texas All Access with me plenty of times. He is the GM of Lone Star Sports Entertainment, executive director of the Tax Act, Tax Act Texas Bowl, easy for me to say. 
And he's got a – well, he's got big goings on this weekend. This is the weekend in college football that we settle it all. Well, at least what the bowls are going to be, what the playoff is going to be, and what the matchup for the Texas Bowl will be. I got my eye on a matchup. I'll see if David agrees with me or not. But I think either way, Texas Bowl is going to have a good one, and Fletch and I talked about that right here. All right, I got my good friend in here with me, David Fletcher, GMLSSE, Lone Star Sports Entertainment, and the Tax Act Texas Bowl is coming up on December 28th. First of all, Fletch, how you doing, my man? This is a good time of year for you, is it no? It's great to see you, Johnny. It always is fun talking about college football, and now we get to talk about postseason college football, which yeah. is a lot of fun, man. It's been a crazy year. Yeah, it definitely has been a crazy year. And for those that don't know Tax Act Texas Bowl, Big 12 versus SEC. And Fletch, I'll ask you first, let's start with the, the conference championship games. How much of a domino effect does that have on the Texas Bowl? What happens this weekend with these conference championship games? Or do you look at it as mm, things are pretty set in what we're looking at for the Texas Bowl? How do you kind of look at this weekend and how does it impact things? Yeah, I think this year in particular, um, you know, there, there's a lot of things that are already in place at this point. Uh, starting on the Big 12 side, you've, you've got a, a, a purple haze, just like we yeah. had here in last year's Tax Act Texas Bowl. Two, two purple teams in Kansas State, the defending Texas Bowl champions uh, against uh, the undefeated TCU Horn Frogs. So, you know, I think that game, it's been well documented, Johnny. Kansas State's going to the Sugar Bowl no matter what. Um, mm -hmm. They will win or lose. They'll be there. TCU's got their eyes on a much bigger prize as if they complete the undefeated season, they will head to uh, the playoff, which yep. is a really exciting development for the Big 12 and for TCU. Great sure. fan base. And so, you know, that 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 dynamic in, in Dallas um, is one that doesn't really affect our universe. Um, we, we've got a good idea of what our options will be, uh, right. and we'll certainly talk about those momentarily. But um, SEC is a little bit different. Uh, I, I think, you know, if you, if you look at uh, LSU and Georgia, um, tough loss for LSU at A&M to finish the season, took a little luster off of this weekend's game. But nevertheless, it is the SEC championship. Sure. So yeah. uh, with a win, Georgia will continue their their, their defense of their national title. Um, and uh, with a, an LSU win, that could get interesting. Might, might change the numbers, might change the math of, of what the, the SEC has available. And in turn, given um, the way our, our selection works, we, we do not um, have a direct selection on the SEC side. The, the conference chooses our team. So that could change the math a little bit. So we will certainly keep an eye, not only as college football fans, sure. but also as, um, as interested parties, as it will, um, I think, in some ways affect our, our selection opportunities come this Sunday when we find out who's coming to the game later this month. Well, that's the part, too, that I think some people, as they think about bowl games, on the SEC side, SEC chooses for you, but Big 12, you have that opportunity to choose. Is that correct? That and is. How, does, how does that kind of go down over the weekend? I'm sure it's be well before the weekend as you kind of talk it through all the different scenarios. How does that go for you? It's been a fun time of year for me. I mean, a lot of lobbying, a lot of talking with friends, a lot of trying to figure out what uh, what will be available, what won't. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to end up, given the fact that we have two incredible conference partners uh, with a great matchup here yep. in Houston, there's no doubt about that. Um, but but it is it is uh, one that, that creates a number of different scenarios, and you try and find uh, the best way to, to navigate what's best for um, our market, for the fans here, for the team's 
Um, the things we know we, we will be incredible at. We know that the experience here is second to none. We know we have an, a venue uh, unlike any other in the country, one of the premier destinations in NRG Stadium. Um, we know that this market has supported college football and football as a whole very, very well. Uh, and we know we're going to put on a great show. So um, we put a lot of work into all those elements. The teams themselves, they, they certainly matter. Um, at the end of the day, though, we're, we're going to put on as good an experience as we possibly can for the fans, for the teams while they're here, um, and for our conference partners, no matter who's in the game. No doubt. I know you definitely will do that. All right, let's get to some possible. CBS Sports put this one up the other day, and I thought mm, could be interesting. Oklahoma State on the Big 12 side, Kentucky on the SEC side. Now, you don't have to shoot anything down or bring anything up, but Oklahoma State, Kentucky as a matchup, if Will Levis ended up playing, I think it would be really, really interesting. But Oklahoma State, Kentucky, is that something that possibly could end up on the radar screen? think anything's possible, Johnny. Sure. <laughs> That's true. That is, is very, very true. It is. Uh, you know, two seven and five teams there. Uh, Kentucky, you mentioned Will Levis up and down around his health and his play this year. Um, they've had a great program they've built around uh, Coach Stoops there. And, uh, you know, on, on the Oklahoma State side, Spencer Sanders, again, very, very similar story there. Based on his health, that's how the teams played this year, up and down seven and five. Uh, hated seeing them lose, but, uh, you know, their rivalry game, their fan base certainly did in Bedlam. Um, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, two teams that um, um, have um, have had a, a really good track record of success over the years, two very well-known coaches. Uh, would be a fun matchup. A lot of offense in that one. Fletch, in a situation like this in the, in the Big 12, like, for example, Oklahoma uh, finishes six and six. It's not often that Oklahoma has been not knocking on the conference championship door, not in the CFP door or, you know, on a new year's six, is there, is there a desire from your side to maybe bring somebody, not just this year, but any year to bring a team to the bowl that has not been here, something like Oklahoma, maybe Oklahoma state was here in 19. I believe that was last year. They were here against, against Texas A&M. Does that play a role? The fact that, Hey, there's a good fan, like for Oklahoma's case, Oklahoma's got a great fan base here in the city of Houston. I don't think we've ever been in this bowl game. If we've got an opportunity, how much sense does it make for a team like Oklahoma? The fact that they haven't been here. I think you read my script off the paper here, Johnny. (laughs) You know, look, I mean, you said it, a tremendous national brand, very loyal fan base did not have the season that they wanted to have, um, but, but have earned an opportunity to play in the postseason and um, have not played in our game before. So certainly a factor as we look at, um, you know, the team that we'll be able to select on the Big 12 side. Um, you, you, never, you never turn away an opportunity right. uh, to, to consider a brand like Oklahoma. And so we're going we're gonna to look at that as, as, a, as a positive. And, um, you know, they, they're building something there um, af- after a very strange transition um, yeah. last off season. You know, they really um, did a did a fantastic job finishing out last year in San Antonio. Coach Venables in his first year well, up and down with a lot of injuries and a lot of things that, um, you know, happened throughout the football season, as you know. So, um, but, but they're an incredible program and one that we would love to see here at some point. On the SEC side, you talk about the SEC, we'll pick it for you, Fletch. And there are some teams, obviously, in that realm. One that I, I think would be really exciting to see here because we've seen this team before. And that's Arkansas, a team that's been in this game before, but we all know how Arkansas travels. And I was doing this with Mark. Mark and I were actually talking one day, and we're like, man, has Oklahoma and Arkansas, when's the last time they played? It would feel like, or you would think, those two teams would play a lot more than they have. 
And the last time they played, I think Clint Sterner was playing quarterback for Arkansas or shortly thereafter. So getting a team like Arkansas in here, what does that do for the Texas Bowl if Arkansas ends up being the pick for the SEC? I mean, Arkansas is is a is another one of those incredible brands with a huge following in this region. Um, that type of recipe is, is a recipe for success, not only uh, for for those of us that are putting together these events, but for the fans, you know, to have the energy of of incredible rivals who haven't played in a really long time um, is something that that just adds to that uniqueness of the postseason. Yep. And um, you know, Arkansas is a team, um, you know, that that um, has been up and down this year. Lost lost a heartbreaker up in Dallas to A and M yep. uh, early in the season. Had some injuries and and ultimately, um, you know, finished their season on a, on a tough note uh, with a loss to Ar- uh, to Missouri. Um, but but you put those type of teams, you know, especially old South in this region, old Southwest yeah. Conference, old Big Eight, you know, teams that have um, regional rivalries together, and you put the record, you throw the records out, you just yeah. put them out in the field, and you see what happens. And for fans, that's a great experience, and that's something that's really cool about the bowl season as a whole is the opportunity to see those those matchups, either the ones that you don't get to see very often, or the ones you wish you could see a lot more. And that and that's something you know, if you put together. Arkansas with any of the teams that that um, you know are, are are potentially available to us with Oklahoma, Baylor, Oak State, um, even Kansas. You know, you look at that at that universe that there's some um, there's some magic in those, and of course Texas Tech and them had, had a lot of fun together um, uh, just in the last few years ago, back in the Bielema years. A little little energy from that. Oh yeah, rivalry. So the, no no question. So sitting here right now. Or, or on Sunday, where do you sit in the Big 12 side of things? What what decision or what choice do you have? What's the number of choice? So we sit in the third selection after the CFP has selected their teams. Okay. And, and so um, the Alamo Bowl in San Antonio is ahead of us, and the, the Cheez-It Bowl in in um, Orlando is also ahead of us in, in that order. So um, we'll, we'll be watching, seeing how things unfold relative to the CFP, the New Year's Six, and then those two events ahead of us um, come Sunday afternoon and um, you know certainly working with our, our partners at ESPN to try and figure out in advance of that what what we think our realities are um, and uh, like I said a lot of lobbying a lot of politics and a lot of talking going on these days uh, which is a fun part of the job and ultimately um, you know we'll make a selection of a very deserving team we'll, we'll have a fantastic opponent on the other side and uh, come December 28th prime time ESPN right here at NRG Stadium Going to be another fun showcase in the Tax Act Texas Bowl. It absolutely is, Fletch. There's no doubt. And you mentioned earlier, K-State locked in the Sugar Bowl no matter what happens. If TCU loses, I would imagine they would end up in a New Year's Six Bowl, is my guess, yes, with only one loss would. coming out of the Big 12. So you you kind of have a feeling that, okay, we know these two teams are going to end up in, in, those, in those particular bowls after the CFP is picked and those – make it any easier for you to know that going in or is it better in some sense over the weekend to kind of have a little bit of, Whoa, we didn't see that coming. And now all of a sudden it's changed up. Maybe the things that we want to be able to do with the game. Yeah. The certainty doesn't hurt. Uh, And, and so we know we, we have a very good understanding of, of really those, those top two, um, as we've talked about, Um, I I don't want to speak for, for the Alamo bowl, but I I feel pretty confident based on the season that the university of Texas had, that there's a high likelihood that they're in San Antonio. So those three spots on the big 12 side help to create certainty with us to some degree on, on how we can plan and create the right experience and work in advance to, to really um, hit the ground running uh, when these teams are selected. And, 
um, for for the fans, you know that that means that um, you know they can start planning a little bit earlier. They right. can start thinking about where they're going to go. Certainly for the teams, um, the opportunity to to work quickly. I mean, th- these are short windows. You know, you you have a season that's set two, three, ten years in advance. Yeah, and, yeah. and then you get to the postseason, and you get two weeks to figure it out. Yeah, every exactly. Year. So, <laughs> you know, it is it is it is a, a part of the the equation that does help. Um, We've had a lot of the teams that that are available um, based on what we think um, here in, in our, at NRG Stadium in recent years. I've got a lot of great relationships there, so um, you know I think we're re- well positioned to be able to create a, a, a an incredible experience for the teams, for the fans, and do it in a in a in a quick manner so that people can get to planning and 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 get to to getting uh, excited about the matchup ahead of them. Fletch, this is going to be a fantastic event for fans that would like to go. When the announcement is made, or even before the announcement's made, how can they go get tickets? Yeah, TaxActTexasBowl.com is our website. We go on sale this Sunday morning. So Selection Sunday, you have a chance to get in and get your seats as you see and how things are unfolding. Um, TaxActTexasBowl.com. Have a chance to get in with your groups right now, so you can just check out the website there for details. Um, I would I would say this, Johnny, um, you know, this is a game that is one of the most attended games in the yep. country. Houston has always supported college football in a big, big way. We fully expect um, and and will be creating an experience that matches what those expectations are come December 28th. For the teams, though, I'd say this, and this is something I talked to Chris Kleiman about um, back in May and even text with him just last week, uh, the head coach at Kansas State. Um, you know, This is a game where six of the last eight years, the winner of our game has played in yeah. the New Year's Six the next, next year. year. So this yep. is a game that you're going to have two teams that are building for next year right now. And they know how important winning this game, having the fan support for this game, and, and putting on a good show is for their future. And, and I would expect nothing different out of whoever comes together um, come December 28th. It's going to be fascinating, and my man David Fletcher is going to be at the forefront of all of it. Fletcher, you're the best, man. Thank you very much. Thanks, John. I've always uh, thought that Fletcher had a great job. I don't want to say I envied it because it's tough, really tough. Case in point, the Liberty Bowl was going to put together Missouri and Kansas. That's a rivalry that in the Big 8, Big 12, I mean, it had been a rivalry forever until Missouri left the – Big 12 to go to the SEC, that is a, that's a hatred rivalry. I mean, that's one where there is hatred between the teams. There's no doubt. I mean, that's, a, that's the Kansas-Missouri version of Texas-Texas A&M, Auburn-Alabama. There's, there's pure hatred amongst those teams. And so Liberty Bowl is like, man, we got this. SEC Big 12, like the Texas Bowl has, put together Missouri and Kansas. And Missouri goes, nope, we're, we don't want to play in that game. Like, wait, what? You got that? Wait, this could be awesome. This would, I mean, this, the bowl is probably thinking, we've got this on. This is going to be fantastic. Nope. Missouri says, nope, not playing the bowl. Okay. And now you got to pick somebody else. That's what Fletch is up against in some sense. It doesn't happen every year like that for every bowl, but the bowls are kind of at the whims of the schools, the conferences, especially in the SEC, because the SEC picks where it wants its team to go. So, um, tough stuff there for Liberty Bowl, but hopefully we're going to get – well, not hopefully. We will get a great matchup one way or the other. Uh, finding out on Sunday, probably around fourth quarter into the game, I would think. We'll find out what that matchup is going to be. All right, we get back. We got to hear from Jordan Akins with Drew's final word, and we got some Houston Methodist minutes. And anything that we missed, we'll clean it up in that last segment right here on Texans All Access.
We got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and we've got plenty to do in this segment. We got to hear from Jordan Akins again because there's always a Drew's Dozen side, and then there's the football Drew Dory side. We call that one Drew's Final Word. So we'll get to Drew's Final Word here uh, in just a second. But every Friday, we get in some Houston Methodist minutes. Mark Vandermeer sits down with one of the great doctors at Houston Methodist and cranks out this content for you. Joining us right now on Houston Methodist Minutes, it's Rachel Poe, athletic trainer for Houston Methodist. Rachel, how's it going today? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing great. You and I are going to help people right now. New Year's workouts. People start them after the holidays. Oh, my gosh. I ate too much over the holidays. I need to start my New Year's workout. How do they do it early? Let's do a preemptive strike on the holiday eating, the holiday five or 10 pounds, whatever it is, Rachel, what are your initial thoughts on this besides maybe try to eat a little bit less going into the holidays? <laughs> um, well, I'm a big holiday person. I think, you know, indulge as much as you'd like, but be mindful, you know, of, of how you're going to feel maybe the next day or the next few weeks. Um, I think the big thing is, you know, when you're trying to get a jump on it, though, to um, really consider what your goals are going to be and what your personal preferences are going to be when it comes to maybe starting a new workout routine. Um, you know, your goals, you know, most of us always say, right, oh, I just want to lose weight, lose weight. I think it's important too to think about the things that you want to gain, right? Mm. So maybe I'm going, I want to gain cardiovascular fitness. What does that look like? Well, I'm going to start swimming or I'm going to start going for walks, riding a bike, right? Or maybe my goals are to gain muscle. Okay, I'm going to get in the gym. I'm going to learn, you know, some things about lifting. Or, you know, maybe it's just more abstract. I want to gain confidence. I want to gain, you know, just overall wellness. I think it's important to kind of frame it that way in a positive way rather than thinking about losing something and loss. I like that um, psychologically. Thank Tell you. me something. Yes, though. yeah. I read sometimes about if you want to lose weight, maybe gaining muscle is not the only way to go, but a good way to go in addition to some cardio. And how do you balance that out? Also, are we talking about becoming young Arnold Schwarzenegger here or does a little go a long way? How do you feel about that? Right. I think a little definitely goes a long way. I think even just making those small, healthy choices throughout your day, taking the stairs, parking a little further away, uh, maybe choosing the grilled over the fried version of something. Um, <laughs> but also I think, <laughs> I think too, you know, yeah, if you're, if you're working out, you're going to gain muscle. And I think sometimes that frustrates people when they step on the scale and they say, I don't understand. I've been working out. Why am I not losing weight? Well, the number on the scale may not change much for you because you're losing fat, but gaining muscle. So that the pounds may be different, but the way you feel, the way maybe your clothes fit, that's going to change over time. How much can you do at home without going to an actual gym? What do you recommend just to get started? Exercises people can maybe even do in their living room. Yeah, I think um, working out at home is, is great. I think we learned that in the pandemic that a lot of us can do more than we think at home. Um, you know, at home yoga is great for just overall, you know, balance, your core strength. Um, it makes you feel good in the morning to get your day started. Um, you can go for a walk in your neighborhood, go for a jog in your neighborhood if you're feeling a little more adventurous. I personally, I don't have a gym membership at all, but I go for runs regularly because it's something that I know I can maintain and I can do from home anytime. 
Rachel, great information. We really appreciate the visit. Thanks a lot. Yes, sir. Thank you. Rachel Poe, athletic trainer with Houston Methodist, the official healthcare provider of the Houston Texans, HoustonMethodist.org, Houston Methodist leading medicine. Man, holiday season is so important to get your walks in. Not at a, not just at malls or man. Anybody, does anybody go to the mall now for Christmas shopping? I'm sure you do. I'd imagine, maybe not. Man, that actually as crazy as it would get. It actually is kind of fun. I always used, I used to love going to malls for Christmas shopping, and now, eh, I don't know if I do that as much, but still fun nonetheless. So if you're doing it, great. I don't know what Jordan Akins does for his Christmas shopping. But I do know he plays football and plays it very well for the Texans. And he sat down with Drew Doherty for Drew's final word. Drew, take it away. Jordan, always good to be with you. What do the Texans need to do on the whole to turn things around, get a W on Sunday? I just say come out with a hell on fire, come out with the energy and, you know, the heart to win and just give it everything we have and start early. No, it's been a tough season on the whole. You've had a really good season since week three, since you got back in the lineup. There's only one guy in the NFL that plays tight end that has more yards per catch than your 14.3 per. What's going on, man? I'm just hungry, man. Uh, I want to play the game. Uh, I have a lot to prove, and, you know, I'm playing with a chip on my shoulder and playing with vengeance. So, you know, anytime I get the ball, I'm trying to cross that pile line. And we saw that on Sunday. It was a tough day on the whole, but that was one of the plays of the game. I'll say it's the play of the game because you got the ball, you attacked the goal line with anger in your eyes and your heart. Yes, what was it like once you, you get there and you realize it's me and it's this guy? Mono y mono, you know. I mean, I'm definitely not looking to lose. So, you know, you're going to get my best shot. And, you know, he definitely got me good early in the game so when i seen him you know it was a rematch and i wasn't going down twice so. all right let's talk about the weekend or week ahead this is a, a very odd matchup listen you've been in the league long enough you're going to play against guys that used to be here a lot and that happens but this is a little different deshaun watson is the quarterback how odd does that make that you know no bad blood no love lost we'll see how it goes you know hopefully we come out with the win yeah another guy that you played with that's going to be on the other side of the ball is jadevion Clowney. Yeah. we know what Clowney can do that's a good front seven as a whole how does that factor into what you have to do as a tight end? Uh, you know, I just get, it just made me focus more, you know, and, you know, I just want to be out there more. And definitely it's good to play against those guys. You know, I have chemistry with those guys, and I kind of know their game a little bit. So, you know, it's going to be fun to see who wins. Yeah, you guys have played them quite a bit over the last few seasons. Right. What's the most challenging part of that, that defense, especially up front? Man, they're just athletes, man. They're very strong. They just can turn it on whenever they want to, you know. So every play, you can't take a play off. you got to come ready and come prepared. So, you know, may the best man win. All season long, Texans have run the ball really well with Damian Pierce, except for the last few weeks. What's got to change, and what can you guys do to help kickstart that change, perhaps? Just the urgency and, you know, to move the defensive line, you know. Um, just come out with, with the want to. You know, I think blocking is a want to, and just give it your best and move the front line, and Damian let him do what he do. All right, one last thing. What do you eat game day for a nooner here at NRG? Before the game or after? Before the game, I may have, like, a scoop of eggs and two pieces of bacon. I'm not a big time yeah. here before the game. So since you brought Smoothies. it up, what do you eat after? Uh, after the games, you know, my lady, she throws down. Um, <laughs> Mostly like Puerto Rican food. Puerto Rican food. Yeah, she's full blood Puerto Rican, so you know I get the best. You know. There you go. Yes, sir. All right. Well, I hope it's a bountiful Puerto Rican feast after a W for you, Jordan Akins. Thanks so much for the time. Thank you. Best of luck to you this game and the rest of the way. Appreciate you. All right. All right. Man, we appreciate Jordan Akins for being a part of this show. He is just since he got here as a rookie in 2018, never felt like a rookie. Which, I mean, he spent his quote unquote rookie years. In the minor leagues, he learned how to be a professional, but we always appreciate him jumping on the show, whether it's with Drew or DP or me and Mark 
Uh, he's been fantastic, and he's been fantastic this year, and hopefully the Texans can find a way to get him the football on Sunday again. This offense really seems to go when 88 gets his hands on the ball, i.e. last week against the Miami Dolphins when Jordan Akins caught a pass, got up the field, took on Javon Holland, and rammed him into the end zone, scoring a touchdown, the second touchdown of the day for the Texans. Now, we can't look past the fumble that was – uh, return for a touchdown, but that for Jordan is such a rare instance. I would think that's behind him, but really need him to play a great game. Need for a number of different things to happen on Sunday. Need for pressure to get to Deshaun Watson. Need to make mistakes. Need to be able to block the interior of the Browns' defense. It's not like other interiors the Texans have faced, but now they can't let Clowney and Garrett go to work on the outside. Titus Howard has to play much better than he did last week. Texas has got to be able to run the ball, get Damian Pierce back involved. And if he's not going to run it, throw it to him. Kyle Allen has to get comfortable very, very early. The defense has to tackle well. They have to build a wall up front, as I pointed out on Telestrator. And then they got to go tackle Nick Chubb with all that they have. Brandon Cooks is going to be out of this one. Derek Stingley's going to be out. So you're missing two huge cogs. But the Browns are missing David Njoku. So you got to rise up and you got to make plays. And look, there's. There's no retribution in a win or whatever happens for Deshaun Watson. He's just now the quarterback on the other side. It's going to look weird and odd, but you just got to go attack him and see that you can't come home with the first win in 343 days at NRG Stadium in a regular season game. That is the goal. But that's it for the show. And a big thanks to Jordan Akins, to Drew Doherty, D.P. Sidhu, Nathan Zagura, Lovey Smith, Mark Vandermeer, David Fletcher, and all of you for listening. Appreciate you guys more than you'll ever know. Thank you so much, and we'll see you on Sunday. And as always, go Texans.